You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. Gentlemen, welcome once again to the Packer Net Podcast. I am your host and resident panelist, as always, Ryan Schlipp. Check us out online, packernet.com. Find me on Twitter, pack underscore daddy. Well, today I'd like to more or less pick up right where we left off yesterday, going through more of all of the uh, interviews that Gudekunst did, talk uh, maybe briefly, I never really know how long these things are going to take, about uh, Aaron Rodgers' interview with what's his name? By the way, I don't know if you guys tied this together or whatever, but I played a video for you a while ago about this guy, Aubrey, I think is his name. And I didn't realize he's going to be doing this podcast. I Somebody had just made me aware of the connection that he had with this Aubrey guy, and that's kind of how he got into all this kind of stuff. He was big into the ayahuasca thing. He's big into the... Um, this he just did this darkness retreat now Rogers is doing it and that's when I played that audio for you of that guy that was talking to himself in the dark and was doing like that good chant or whatever that's Aubrey that's the guy that did the podcast or whatever so if you didn't make that connection now you know a couple other little tidbits I found this interesting uh, the NFLPA the uh, NFL union whatever went around and interviewed uh, how many people thousand some odd people. From around the league, J.C. Treader putting in that work. But anyways, they ended up putting together a report card, which I thought was kind of cool, um, in a couple of different categories. Treatment of families, nutrition, weight room, strength staff, training room, training staff, um, locker room, and travel. And the good news is um, Packers scored pretty well across the board. They weren't the high. I think they were the sixth highest overall scoring team in the league. Third highest in nutrition. They were uh, fourth for weight room. And this is basically just asking the players, like, what do you think of your weight room? What do you think about the food that you're served or whatever? Um, as far as strength staff, they were, I don't know, like 10th, but they still got an A. They were the highest non-A plus team. Uh, training room, uh, I don't know, 12th-ish or something. Let me pick a, let me click on the the Packers, you can actually see it. So treatment of families, B plus, tied for fifth best. Um, food service and nutrition, A, uh, tied for first. Weight room, A, tied for fifth. Strengths coaches, A, tied for 10th. Training room, B minus, tied for 12th. Training staff, A minus, tied for 15th, because everybody loves their training staff, apparently. Locker room, B, tied for 14th. Travel, uh, A, tied for fourth. So, um, Pretty awesome, especially when you factor in. And this is actually kind of interesting because it got me thinking about where players like to go. Because in my mind, it's like, okay, how good is the team and how's the weather? Like, that's it. Like, that's it. that's all I care about. Like, do I want to live there? And is this team going to win football games? You know, I don't want to go to Chicago. It's cold. It's crimey. And the team sucks. But you start, because you got to understand, these guys all talk. You know, they, they travel from team to team. To, oh, man, when I was over here, they did this or that or the other. Some of these scores are outrageous. You know, I'm looking at a B, and it's like, dude, what's up with that B, man? Get that up. Nutrition. Four teams have an F or worse. The Chargers, F. 
Cardinals, F minus. Bengals, F minus. Saints, F minus. The Saints, who had the lowest grade, it says one of three teams that do not provide dinner. They offer a late lunch at 3 p.m. when they practice at 12. Weight room, usually not a ton of complaints. Um, the fourth worst team was Cleveland with a D minus. Jacksonville D plus, or yeah, D plus, sorry. Cleveland and Jacksonville D plus, Patriots D, Cardinals F minus. What are the Cardinals doing? F minus in nutrition, F minus weight room, F minus training room, F locker room. <laughs> Dude, what is going on over there? But again, this is like, you don't think about it. You're a free agent. You've got options. Do you want to go to the Cardinals? It's not just there's drama. The quarterback is kind of weird. You know, there's that whole thing with him maybe not trying super hard, and he's kind of a whiny crybaby and stuff. Throws little temper tantrums. Team's not good and kind of weird. They just fired their coach. Yeah, but there's also this stuff. I don't really think, like, I never thought about the fact that apparently the Green Bay Packers offer three meals a day. Like, they'll just feed you all day. You get your breakfast, you get your, and it's like the food that you're supposed to be eating, like good, healthy food. Probably some garbage, too, but, like, that's just that's just a thing, and that's kind of common. Then you get places that they don't offer you jack, apparently. Cardinals ranked second last in their overall score of 32 teams, if you can believe that, with four F-minuses and an F. They're one of 14 teams that does not offer a family room, one of 11 teams that does not offer daycare. Again, this is stuff I never thought about. Like, I, I you know, I don't know how many of these guys need a daycare or whatever, but you know, if you want to, it's there. I think the Packers are one of the few teams that doesn't, even though they grade it out very well. Uh, the food. If the players would like dinner, it will be boxed up for them. But players reported that the team will charge you via payroll deduction. This is apparently the only club that does that. So 31 other teams will pay. Will, will give you food. This team, instead of a nice hot buffet-style meal, they'll put your food in this dry garbage box, and then they'll take pay out of your... And again, it's like, I have to buy food at my work, too. It's not that big of a deal. But... This is the expectation when you're an NFL football player. You've got these beautiful, especially these new stadiums that are getting built, just beautiful. And then you, you know, get all this royal treatment. I want to go to Arizona, box lunch and scorpions. Get out of here. Players reported that if you work out at the facility after the season is over, the team charges you for every meal eaten at the facility. Again, apparently the only team in the league that does that. Can you freaking imagine? You guys make so much money. These are your... You're paying them tens of millions of dollars to be the best athletes in the world. And they come in and they're like, I just worked out. I need some protein and some carbs for my muscles. And they're like, that'll be $17.50. What? Yeah, I'm not I'm not footing the bill for your diet, fat boy. <laughs> It is a little stupid. Like, I, I get it for the average Joe, like me and you. It's like, so what? Pay for your meals. But it is a little ridiculous. Even the, even the guys that aren't getting paid a ton, what are they getting? Like a quarter of a million dollars a year to sit around and do nothing? Comp the guy's ham sandwich for crying out loud. Jeez. That's, that's ridiculous. And, and it's like the littlest thing that can upgrade your, you know, how can we go from one of the most garbage organizations to something a little better? Don't charge these guys the 15 bucks for their burger and fries or however much it costs. Probably not even that much. Cafeteria burger? What was it, $9.50? Get out of here. F- minus for their weight room. Players described it as a healthy uh, health and safety risk just to walk through the weight room. 
The floor is nearly and uh, the flooring is nearly a unanimous complaint. The floors are uneven. The floorboards are peeling up. Dude, I I don't get it. My high school had a freaking gym. Like I, I had two different high schools. The Streamwood High School has a decent gym. I mean, I thought it was a palace until you realize what some other high schools have. But super nice. I think it was like brand new at the time. This would have been like 2003 or something. I don't know. 2002, but it was all new equipment. It was just super nice. They had TVs. We were bumping, uh, the heck was that song that kept coming on? It was Coolio. What is that Coolio song? I don't know. And then I went over to Lake Park and they've got, it's, it's a cage, but it's in the gym. It's in a cage. It's like got some cool, I mean, it's, it's, it's got even floors and it's not peeling up. What is this? I mean, this just reeks of an organization that is flat broke, has no idea what they're doing doesn't know where to put their money. You want to know why some teams stay at the bottom? This is why. And it's just, again, this never even occurs to me. If I'm a football player, I'm not going there. I mean, if, if look, you know, if I'm a superstar and they're wanting to pay me $25 million and there's not a whole lot of other offers outside of like 20, okay, fine, I'll suck it up and go play out there. But all things being equal, no way in the world. You don't even have a gym with even floors? You know how freaking dangerous that is? 73% of their players think they uh, think that they have enough strength coaches, which is the lowest in the league. Training staff survey responses included several complaints of being outdated. Only 30% of players feel like they have enough space in the locker room. Complaints that it is old and needs renovations. There's no way a team is worse. <laughs> By the way, Kansas City Chiefs. D-plus nutrition, C-plus weight room, D-plus training room, D-minus training staff, D-minus locker room, F for travel. Oh, there it is, of course. The Washington commanders are dead last because, of course, the most inept (laughs) situation in all of football. F for treatment of families, D-plus food service, C-plus weight room, F-minus training room, D training staff, F-minus locker room, F-minus travel. 32nd in travel, 32nd in locker room, 31st in training staff, 30th in training room. Complaints the weight room is too small. (laughs) Players reported they do not want to do rehab in the facility. 35% of players feel like they have enough space in the locker room. Lack of warm water and poor drainage in the shower. That's gross when it starts to pool up around your feet. With all the other dudes like sweat water coming around, that's, that's great. Team travel, 22% feel like they have enough room to spread out. One of six teams that make their young players have roommates. One of seven teams that doesn't offer any of their players first-class seats. So, again, for a lot of us, it's all boo-hoo, but the other teams are doing it. The other teams are going to whine and dine you. You get three meals. We got paid-for daycare. We got a family area. Great training room, training staff, weight room, tons of, you know, personnel that'll help you out with everything you need, first-class travel, plenty of space, blah, 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 all the way down the line. Who in the world is going to Washington and why ever? You want to go to D.C.? You want to live in D.C.? Oh, never. For what? What are you going to do in D.C.? Then you have to play for the Washington Commanders and deal with that garbage? So, yeah, I mean, the report card thing was cool because, like, all the Packers rank sixth or whatever, which is great. I'm glad that they're um, not a piece of garbage or garbage organization that's run horribly. By the way, this is a Mark Murphy thing. 
he's the one that's in charge of making sure all this stuff is what it is. And I mean, there's there's people under him that directly manage travel and those kinds of things, but he oversees all this. So kudos to Mark Murphy. But why don't we get into uh, the next sit down with Mr. Brian Gutekunst. But we're just going to do what we did yesterday. We're going to go through it step by step. There is some annoying background music. The Packers at Packers.com or whatever edited this up. So we got to deal with that nonsense. But anyways, uh, hopefully you'll be able to hear it. Okay, let's uh, start with question numero uno. How are the Packers positioned for next? Yeah, we're, we're excited. Obviously, this is a big, big period of time for us. The combine is very, very important for us. So uh, we just got out of draft meetings. Obviously, we've had free agency meetings. So as we go through this and, and gather this information here this week, it really starts to allow us to make the decisions that we need to make. Aaron Rodgers. The, um, again, just, just the excitement as somebody that would love to be able to be in these meetings because, again, knowing that, Gutekunst and these guys have a handful of people that they're going to be watching that they're already super excited about, and they need to get a little bit more information. You know, they're going to be meeting with a bunch of people, but it's kind of like they can't wait for that one interview, you know? They've got their sights set on somebody in the first round for sure. And so, as he said, they're they're kind of going through the fine-tuning process right now, and they're going to continue to do that. But, man, I just I get super excited about it, and I just wish I knew what they were talking about in there remains in the headlines and from what you said so far everything concerning Aaron is on the table he's going through his process and we respect that um, we have not had a chance to really have the kind of conversations we need to have before we move forward so we're hopeful to have those soon and, and then we'll, we'll make those decisions but uh, um, you know he does have a process that he takes some time in and that's where he's at right now so nothing really new there doesn't really give any uh, insights into anything just again kind of puts it on Aaron Rodgers. Like, yeah, I'm, we're, we're waiting to have a conversation to kind of see where he's at, and uh, we'll see where he's at when he decides he wants to have a conversation about where he's at. Something that's also clear from what you've said at the Combine so far, Jordan Love is ready. Yeah. I think I think the one thing that I think this, this year showed us is he needs to play. That's his next step kind of making his progression. All quarterbacks and players in general, you know, get to a point where that's the next step, and that's where he's at. And uh, He's really worked hard, and it's a credit to him. Uh, how he's progressed over this the last couple of years. So I love that specific answer because it kind of illuminates what he was saying before because you don't know what that means. Yeah, we think he's ready. What he's saying, and, and the other cool thing, that the, the thing that really stood out to me is when he said what he showed us this year. In other words, they didn't know this prior to this year until they got to watch him play against the Eagles. So that really did kind of check off several more boxes. And so the point is, again, they don't know how he's going to perform when he goes out there and plays, but there is a process and he's at the point where he knows everything he could, you know, you give him the test, he gets it. And that's awesome. By the way, the fact that he's, he's got this offense down, he understands it. Now it's just a question of, can he execute it on the field consistently, you know, given all these different, you know, because there's a billion different situations and circumstances and defenses are going to have time to try to figure them out. And can they, and how is he going to adapt and all that stuff? Obviously, these are still massive question marks for Jordan Love, but there are no further questions about his ability to operate the offense, at least from a, you know, sitting in the classroom, passing the test standpoint. And again, that's a good sign because there, there are, I'm sure, people that just don't get it and they're not ready and they, they can't be that guy. And so it's good to know that he's, he's there. He's ready. He's the dude. Now it's just, can you go out there and execute this consistently, um, play to play, down to down? 
quarter to quarter, week to week, year to year. And so I'm sure that's going to get beat to death. But the, the fact of the matter is that's all the information they have, which is positive and negative. I mean, it's, you know, again, he checked all the boxes except the big one. Can he physically do it on a football field? And so are they excited? Or do they think, he? oh, yeah, for sure. But we're not going to know until we see it. Let's get back to what you're here for, the combine. How does this particular draft class match up for the needs you anticipate? I think it's good. I think it's, we're early in the process. Um, there's a number of players that would really fit kind of our profile. And uh, so I think this will be a good draft to, to help the Green Bay Packers. Position-wise, where might it be strong or not so strong? Yeah, I think, um, you know, the tight end class looks like a little deeper than maybe it has been in the past. But this seems to be like a deeper class than, than it has been uh, at the edge rusher position, you know, along with corner. I think uh, um, we've seen more numbers maybe than we have um, all the time. If So, again, uh, we've heard different answers from different GMs. It's always good to hear from them because as much as I respect the people over at, you know, the Draft Network or CBS or wherever these people are coming from, these are the the top of the top, right? The the scouts and, and all the high-ranking people leading all the way up to Brian Gutekunst. These are the guys that have the answers to these questions. And so what did he say? Tight end, corner, kind of expected those. I don't think I necessarily expected edge rusher, but that's a good thing, right? Because I, I've been raising the question, is corner a possibility? And I, and I think it actually might be as crazy as it sounds because it doesn't seem like the biggest need, but just based on where's the talent going to be at 15? And I, I, I could just see a scenario where a lot of guys are going and the best players that are there are, you know, maybe Bijan and then two of the three, maybe one of the three top corners sitting there that are just truly elite players. What do you do? Well, you're not going to take Bijan. So you can trade back or you can say, this guy is that top 10 prospect that fell into our lap. Why wouldn't we do it? But aside from that, again, tight end, and he did mention deep on tight end, but also edge rusher, I think is a big one. And I just talked about this yesterday, I think. I don't know if it was the regular podcast or After Dark or whatever, but um, really needing to dig into edge rusher because I think that that actually makes a lot of sense. The prospect of of having that. By the way, massively awesome news. Did I close that article? It's right here. I, I, I was like, I, I got to go through my tabs real quick and then we can get started on the thing here. Really, really awesome news. Glad I didn't forget. Um, healthy outlooks for injured Packers. Let me go through this quickly. By the way, we might be coming to this. I don't know when he said this. I'm guessing it's not in this interview. It's in the next one, but whatever. We're going to do it now. Uh, Rashawn Gary, likely to come back week one. Stokes should be practicing in the offseason. That's incredibly good news. I, I Again, I asked my little robot friend on the timeline for Rashawn Gary, and it was somewhere between like week one and week nine. So week one was like, the earliest. And and yeah, obviously there's no guarantees, but he is ahead of schedule. Stokes is ahead of schedule. They both should be ready to go roughly week one, which is freaking fantastic news. I was not expecting that. I, I thought Rashawn would be out at least four or five weeks. And Stokes, I had no idea. I haven't even heard anything about the guy. I just knew it was a terrible injury. Anyways, let's continue. If what I'm reading is accurate, you suddenly have some salary cap room is that the case? I don't know if Russ Ball would like me to say we have much room. Um, I would say we've gotten under the salary cap and, and we're working towards, you know, kind of the things we need to do to make sure that if there are opportunities out there in free agency um, moving forward that we can, we can capitalize on them. You know, you have had... So, I mean, the, the, the I don't know exactly how to 
read into that. We'll see because they've they've got more work to do. They've got to do David Bakhtiari and whatnot. We'll see what the total numbers are, and then obviously Rodgers and whether he stays or goes and how they handle that um, will impact how much money the Packers have. But it was interesting to hear him phrase that because my expectation was that he was going to essentially say that we we have some certain things that we needed to do and we want to make sure that we have the ability to do that, meaning re-signing the guys we want to re-sign, being able to pay off all our bills and then have a little bit of a nest egg um, to have some wiggle room. But to phrase it in a way that says, if there is an opportunity, we want to be able to go after it. Well, if you only have like five, four, five million dollars in wiggle room, you can't really do whatever you want, right? I'm just thinking out loud here. You're saying if an opportunity presents itself, you want to be able to jump on it. That's different than we want to be able to do like a little something, maybe kind of, but if it's on sale. So we'll see. I'm curious to see where the numbers end up because they are really pushing these to the max as far as uh, restructuring these contracts. So we'll see um, where we're at, but I have a feeling we're going to be in a pretty healthy situation for this year. Great success signing the not-so-famous free agents. I'm thinking of Keyshawn Nixon, Devondre Campbell. What's the key to that success? You know, we're giving a lot of credit to, to uh, Richmond Williams, John Wojciechowski, our pro scouting staff. They do a great job. Um, we have a process we believe in very much, and I think the, the key to that is just is working that process each and every day and, and understanding the opportunities that um, present themselves. You, you know, it's... It can be at any time, and um, sometimes you're ready to make that opportunity work for you, and sometimes you're not. Um, but it's got to be a process each and every day, and those, those guys do a great job at it. That is something else that should be considered. You know, we always talk about um, Joe Barry, and then once in a while somebody will start talking about the the other coaches under him. What about Montgomery? What about? And you think about it, it's like, oh, yeah, that's true. You know, the, these positions are thriving and these are suffering. And so you start to question whether or not that should be looked at. Um, you got to remember, it's not just Brian Gutekunst. He's the guy that pulls the lever, and obviously he does his own work, but there's a massive staff over here working the pro personnel. He, there's a massive staff over here working the, the college football and, and, and all the scouting and whatnot of, of you know, the, the college players for the draft. And so, um, you know, if, if you're looking at it and saying, I'm not so sure about the drafting ability, it's not necessarily Gutekunst's drafting ability, although he is, again, the guy with the final say. You start to maybe look at, could there be some movement over here or over there? Um, it's just it's just funny to think about the intricacies of it, you know? Um, even when you looked at, what was it? I think it was, for a while, Ted Thompson was always drafting, I think, West Coast guys. And it was just because it was a guy on the staff that he trusted. I think that was back in, like, the Kenny Clark days coming out of UCLA. Um, there was just a scout that was just an absolute dog and... Um, I think Ted just really respected his opinion. Now you look at the Georgia thing and you think maybe that has something to do with it. Maybe the scout there is just somebody that Gutekunst trusts implicitly. And so it might be more of a regional thing than anything else. I don't know. But there are just a lot of moving pieces with this and it's not all just Gutekunst. Good and bad, you know. I want to ask you about a couple of parts of your current team. One big part was Sean Gary. How is his progress health There you go. Yeah, all the reports are really good. Obviously, when he left here, we thought he was doing a great job, and, and uh, we have a lot of confidence in the people he's working with. You know, Rashawn is a unique individual in the fact of how hard he works, and, and that uh, that is not something that we um, we worry about too much. Also, want to ask you about the secondary because you've got some free agents at safety. You have some position flexibility. 
with Rasul Douglas, Darnell Savage. How do you see that settling in when the time comes? Yeah. I love the versatility of those guys and their ability to do different things. Uh, the goal will be at the end of it to have the best five guys out there. You know, it's really a nickel, you know, lead, nickel defense lead. And um, whether, you know, who plays slot, who plays, in, you know, safety, um, I think will really be determined through camp and, and how things with the new, whatever new additions we might make. But I think the goal is to have the best five. And those two particular guys you mentioned have enough flexibility to do a number of things. And that's, that's helpful. Brian, when it's all said and done and you wind up drafting a class this year that's as good as the class you drafted last year, it's a pretty darn good class, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, I think it certainly would be. I thought the guys that we, we took last year really fit into the team well. I, I love the way they worked and capitalized on the opportunities that they had and learned from the mistakes that they made. Um, so it was a good group, and I'm really excited for their growth into year two. Um, but if we could follow that up with a similar class, I think we'd all be happy. It's another thing that's always important to remember is we always get excited about the draft class, and, and some people get overly reliant on, you know, what are we going to do this year to help us win a Super Bowl? And really, rookies have a very minor impact the vast majority of the time, even good players. Um, however, guys making year two and year three jumps, that's where the money's at. And we're not even focused as much. We're, we're not as interested in, you know, Romeo Dobbs as we are about Michael Mayer or something, you know. And in and, and, and all reality, if there's going to be a receiver that blows up, it's going to be a year two jump from one of the receivers that we have more so than it's going to be some rookie that we pick up more than likely. You know, I'm excited about um, looking at the edge rushers and, and kind of getting, you know, maybe Miles Murphy or something. I don't know. But what about Devontae Wyatt? And then again, year three is when guys supposedly kind of really start to figure things out. You got Josh Myers, you got Eric Stokes. It's probably about it. I mean, TJ Slayton and Royce Newman are there. I don't know, but it's the other good thing about drafting. I mean, these things just kind of compound. They start to build. You get some first-year guys that that really contribute, and then you got guys that pop in their second year, guys that pop in their third year. And if you're making a bunch of picks, it really starts to explode. And this happens every year because every year you got first year, second year, third year, fourth year, fifth year guys. If you're throwing away all your picks, you're not getting that. Anyways, finally, we get to uh, Brian Gutekunst's third and I believe final interview that he's done. Um, and after having had two sit downs that predominantly wanted to talk about Aaron Rodgers, uh, he decided to preempt that right out of the gate. Before we get started here, I know there'll be a lot of questions about Aaron. Um, just so you guys know, we haven't really had those conversations yet, so not, not a lot to report um, until we have those conversations. But with that, I'll take some questions. So he came out of his darkness retreat. <laughs> it's funny how there's a pause, like, well, shoot, I don't know what to ask now. And then somebody finally is like, just screw it. I'm going to ask my question about Aaron Rodgers. Have you guys connected yet? Not yet. Have no, you I mean, talked? You know, he said no. Some texts and things like that, but we haven't had a chance to speak yet. Well, how hard is it to play in your offseason I don't know if you can hear that. How hard is it to plan your off season? Process as normal. Um, so obviously, free agency is coming up here. That's an important, uh, you know, part of what we're doing. So it'd be nice to have some answers before then. But uh, until we have any conversations, we're we're still in a good spot. Yeah, I think you know, obviously, those com- our feelings haven't changed about Aaron. Um, but we we need to have some of those conversations about our team, where it's going, uh, where he's at. Um, you know, before we go forward. So again, with that, it's so hard to pinpoint exactly what he's talking about, what he's saying, what he means, whatever. But 
there is always going to be that element of like we 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 definitely respect him. We think he's a talented guy and all that, but we need we need answers and we need to have conversations about how this team is going to be moving forward. And um, that's different than it doesn't matter. He's here no matter what, you know. And that that's what just leads me to believe that it's like okay, listen, if you want to come back, fine, but here's my list of demands essentially that that this is how it's going to be moving forward. And part of that I do think is going to be. Um, this contract is going to be gutted to to the best of their ability in order to, you know, and again, I, 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 I was worried maybe he didn't have the, uh, it's unfair to say backbone to do it. Cause I've always respected that he had the backbone up until this whole situation where he, uh, seemingly went, uh, desperate, but anyways, um, is he going to have essentially the backbone to look him dead in the face and say, okay, fine, if you want to be here because you want to help this team win, here's how we're going to do that. And it starts with this contract and taking a scalpel to it. But um, I guess we'll see how it goes. Maybe maybe he comes back and nothing changes, and it's like, well, whatever. We're excited about him. You know, I think you know, I've expressed to a lot of people that he needs to play. That's the next Jordan step Love, in, obviously. in his progression. Uh, he needs to play. But uh, Jordan's done a great job, worked really hard. So he's doing everything we're asking. Kind of hard to hear, but I'm going to skip ahead a little bit. A couple questions uh, kind of follows along with the last question, though. Uh, where did Jordan Love take the biggest leap from last year to this year? Yeah, I just think the comfort- comfortable in the offense and the confidence in it, I guess, is the biggest thing. I think he was, uh, you know, making quicker decisions and just letting it rip a little bit more. I think he was thinking less and playing more. Um, you know, certainly... Um, he didn't get a lot of opportunity during the season to, to, to go out there and perform, but when he did, we thought we thought he executed very well. Um, but I know just you know watching him through um, practice, not only in the off season last year, training camp, but into the season, how he approached the weeks, um, there was just a different level of intensity. I think week in and week out than there had been prior. Yeah, and I obviously we haven't really seen any of that. The only thing that I can observe is the level of excitement Brian Gutekunst has for Jordan Love. It seems completely evident to me. Um, just the, the, you know, in the past, they would say minor things like this and then kind of move on. You know, like, well, you know, just the way he approaches the game, blah, 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 nonsense, nonsense, and move on. He's constantly adding. There's this, there's this, there's this. And then there's this. And then also, like, just the way that I see him. Like, I've watched him. He's got a higher level. of You know what I mean? He wants to talk about Jordan Love, whereas in the past, it always felt like it was kind of like they wanted to dismiss it. Probably because, again, Aaron Rodgers is the quarterback, and they don't want to, you know, push that. But now that things are a little bit different, Gutekunst maybe feels a little bit more licensed. And, and, and because there has been an actual jump, but feels a little bit more licensed to be excited about the guy that he picked potentially taking over the team, which has got to be somewhat of an exciting thing. But anyways, why don't we go ahead and take a quick break right here. We'll come back and listen to the rest of this and get into a couple other things. We'll be right back. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now. Introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy Slab Packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. 
when I walk into a card shop with my son and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right, a company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. So the next question then is, you know, again, not that you're ever going to get an answer, but it's worth asking anyways. Um, what happens if Rodgers comes back with the Jordan Love contract, essentially? Again, we got to work through some of those things. Obviously, there's a, a made deadline for the fifth-year option. Um, we'll work through that. Um, there's a lot, I think, other dominoes that kind of got to go before we make that decision. Aaron Rodgers, clearly. <laughs> I don't. I can't think of any other domino that would be necessary to figure that out. But but it's also a little bit frustrating to think that that's even a domino. Again, this is part of my frustration with the idea of him even coming back. Is I don't want it to impact Jordan Love. I mean, obviously, it's going to from the standpoint of he's not going to play this year. But I don't want there to be any factors in terms of well, maybe we just have to move on because like, no, we're not doing that. Like if you if you want to do the fifth year option, do it. But again, one of the things that I had mentioned yesterday was a big reason you want to do that fifth year option is because if he plays and he balls out, you don't want to deal with this massive holdout contract situation. You want to be able to have him under contract and work through it on your timeline and give him whatever contract, whatever. Um, but if he's not playing, then whatever. Next question I'm 95% sure is about Devonte Wyatt. So I'll let him answer it and then uh, give you my thoughts. Yeah, no, I thought uh, he ended the season very well. I think, obviously, early in the season, was just a lack of opportunity more than anything else. Um, but his opportunities are going to increase this year. And, um, you know, it's it's incumbent on him to kind of come in in the best shape possible just because um, those opportunities are going to be there. He needs to take advantage of them, and we're excited about that. So two things on that. Number one, he's really emphasizing the fact that it's incumbent on him to do the work. I had heard through the grapevine that part of the issue with Devontae White is that he wasn't really putting in the work. And so, listen, they know that he's an extremely talented guy. They know that he's got all the tools. They know all this stuff. Um, but he's got to step up to the plate in order to be able to capitalize on that. The, the other really interesting thing is he's saying in no uncertain terms, he's going to have a lot of opportunities. And I think the reason being, he's very likely going to be the number two defensive tackle on the team, if not, you know, the number three or whatever. But um, it, it gave me the impression that one, if not both of the major defensive tackles that were in front of him will not be back. And I think either way, the expectation is they want him to step into that sort of number two defensive tackle role behind Kenny Clark. So um, I think that's big and I think that's super exciting. Next next question, kind of an obvious question, but has Jordan expressed that he wants to play this next season? Uh, yeah, I think he's probably expressed that he wants to start every season. But yes, yeah, I think he knows where he's at, and I think he's eager to play. Um, so, um, 
he wants that opportunity. And sometimes, sometimes those things are out of your control, like they have been for him for the last few years. But he's, uh, I think he's, he's ready and excited. So, kind of an obvious answer. Next question: Did Jordan change their opinion on him this past season? Yeah, I don't know if he changed our thinking. He, I think whenever players progress, you know that it factors into all the decisions that you're making. Um, but you know, we, we took him for a reason back in 2020. He's been progressing nicely, and uh, to see him kind of take the jump he did um, this past year was nice. Again, it's much different than going out there week in and week out, week out taking on the challenges when teams are uh, game planning for you. Uh, we were talking earlier just a little bit about you know the length of time it really takes a quarterback to go from playing well to winning in this league. And uh, he'll need to go through those things just like every other quarterback. So he's taken some really good jumps, and there's more more out there for him. But it, I think the things that are out there for him are he's going to need to play to do that. So two main points here. Number one, a lot of people, especially the anti-Jordan Love crowd, likes to pretend that the clock's already started for him, like across the board. It's been three years. You should be ready to go, Pat Mahomes 10.0, right? That's not entirely fair. Now, he he does have a head start on quarterbacks that are fresh out of college because he's done a lot of things, but this is an entirely different category that, that the clock essentially has not even started on. When he takes over, whenever that is, to be the starting quarterback for the Green Bay Packers, this will be the first time he's stepped foot as the starting quarterback for the Green Bay Packers. Yes, he's played in games, he's filled in, but he has not been the starting quarterback of the Green Bay Packers with the starting players and the full game planning and all that stuff and all the challenges that come along with that and everything else about the team's game planning for you and all that. Like Gutekunst said, he has to go through that process like everybody else. He hasn't gone through that process. He's gone through a process. He's gone through a lot of different things, and he's grown in a lot of different areas. But there is a specific process, which seems obvious to me, that is called actually playing football in the NFL, which he has not done. The other thing that, again, very obvious that that's just sort of pops into your head is when he said we drafted him for a reason, which again, sounds like a really stupid point, but you got to remember when, when these guys are getting excited about him, it's not just there happens to be this guy that, oh, look, he seems to be doing well. That's kind of cool. I wonder if he's going to be good at football. They drafted him because he has a specific skill set that they believe could make him a great quarterback in this league. If they're excited about him, that means he has checked every single box so far not just in a vacuum, not just, hey, there's a random guy that fell out of the sky and he seems to be doing a good job. We'll see how it goes. It is a high-risk proposition to go out and draft a guy and bring him into the NFL and see if he can actually succeed because usually they don't, especially when you're talking about a quarterback, especially late in the first round. Usually they're earlier round guys or earlier in the first round guys. But how exciting is it when you do this and you're like, man, this is a big risk. I don't know if this is going to pan out, but man, if, if it could, it could really hit. If he could just do these things, it could be huge. And they're excited about him because he is showing that he's, he's able to demonstrate that he can do those things. Again, that doesn't get us 100% of the way there, but that's a big freaking deal. Like he said, there's a reason that they drafted him because they know that if he can sit and learn, he could be special in the NFL. And there's very little doubt in my mind that at least as far as we've come up to this point, he's that dude. Next question, what's the biggest thing roster-wise you guys need to work on next year? I think, you know, 
we got a lot of, you know, we got a lot of areas that are unknown right now. You know, right now I think we only have a couple, you know, a few tight ends coming back from last year. So there's some some holes there. I think that those guys either got to step into those roles and fill them, or we're going to have to kind of look, you know, other places. Um, our secondary is a little bit unsettled with, you know, a couple of safeties that were moving on that uh, that were here last year. So, um, but uh, yeah, I think you know as a, as a whole, I really like our nucleus coming back. Um, you know how everything shapes up by the time we get to September, we'll see. So that was one of the bigger lines that was dropped in this whole thing was we've got a couple safeties that are moving on that were here last year. Um, obviously, I don't think too many people, or if, if anybody really expected Adrian Amos to be back, but it kind of feels like the nail in the coffin. Then the bigger thing is who are who else are you talking about? Uh, presumably it's Rudy Ford. Maybe it's Savage, but probably not. Um, and, and then there's Dallin Levitt also as an option that they could be talking about in terms of a couple guys not coming back. But um, that's, that is a big deal. And the fact that he highlighted that and then gave those details, which are probably more dire than I was expecting. Cause I'm thinking, well, Savage and Ford can hold it down at least for now. We'll see how it goes. Um, I'll, I'll, I'll say this. I, I think it leads me to believe, honestly, that we're going to do something in free agency. And maybe that just means bringing one of those guys back or something, you know, if they signed for it, I don't know. But, um, I think generally speaking, when you go into something and it's dire, and I've mentioned this before, but if you're going into the draft saying we have to get a safety or we can't field a team, that's not okay. So I genuinely think they're going to do something, assuming we don't bring back the guys and we're, we're left with Savage and basically nobody at safety. We're going to do something in free agency, whether that's a big swing, small swing, I don't know. But anyways, that was one of the, um, that, that, that was basically the end of it. But one of the things that's being discussed is, could they potentially move Rizul Douglas, and I don't mean by the, the Green Bay Packers, I mean by Packers fans mostly, but, um, and, and by the way, this is constantly mentioned, and I think more than it should be, but it's worth exploring at least for now. Considering we're talking about how talented this cornerback group is and the fact that there's essentially three studs sitting in that 10 to 15 range, if we were, let's just say, to move Razul to safety, and we did, let's just say, get a stud cornerback, perhaps Christian Gonzalez, Stokes, Gonzalez, Jair, with Savage and Razul at safety. And again, there's a lot of flexibility there. You can have Savage in the slot. You can have uh, Razul in the slot. You can have Jair in the slot. Maybe Gonzalez, I have no idea what the dude can do. Joey Porter, I don't know. But I I just can't help but think that that's something we at least need to be somewhat open to. A um, few other little tidbits that we've got here so far. Um, David Bakhtiari, as I mentioned, they will be restructuring, so there's going to be some more money. Um, obviously, lots and lots and lots of meetings that are going to be happening, so we don't need to read into too many of them. But um, the Packers will be meeting with Quentin Johnston who is a potential prospect for the Green Bay Packers. One of the things I want to mention, because a lot of people like to dismiss this, like, so what, it doesn't mean anything. There's no correlation, which I don't agree with. I think that's untrue. But I specifically remember Ted Thompson would never use his meetings on first-round picks. They were always to try to really nail those later-round picks. Um, The Packers under Brian Gutekunst work real hard on getting those first-round picks right, and it pays off. Ted Thompson was kind of terrible in the first round. Gutekunst has had some really fantastic picks. So um, obviously there's going to be a lot of meetings and a lot of first-round pick meetings, but I don't think it means nothing. And I'll put it this way, the idea that they're going to meet with people to kind of throw you off, I think that's BS. I think if they're meeting, it's on the table. 
But anyways, I think that's about it. I mean, Aaron Rodgers, again, he did do his uh, interview with, uh, what's his name? <sighs> There's not a ton to take away from that. He's going through his whole process, and he talked about um, some stuff. I did do a little bit of a recap on the Substack, if you're kind of interested in that. Just a very short, quick and dirty about some of the topics that were discussed, and then two bullet points, one about his bowel movements and one about uh, the fact that he hasn't really made up his mind yet. But um, it does kind of give some insight into, I mean, if you really wanted to kind of try to read between the lines as far as where he's at, he talks a lot about that and where his head's at and the kinds of things that he did. By the way, um, if I'm not mistaken, and I didn't really listen to the whole thing, and I certainly wasn't listening very closely when I was listening, but he certainly seemed to allude to the fact that he did all four days. He was talking about how I, you know, I did these first couple days like this. And then after that, several days doing this, like, I'm sorry, I thought you were there for like 24 hours or 48 hours at the most, according to sources, but whatever. I don't know. If you're interested in it, check it out. Again, the Substack, you can get a free subscription, kind of gives you a little bit of uh, that, or just go listen to the whole thing and find out. It's about an hour. I'm sure you got the time, but I am going to leave it at that. I got to get going. It's getting late. You guys have a great night and a good day. I will talk to you tomorrow. Bye-bye.